Alright, what is up you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Eric. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Um, we're going to start things off with H&M's official response. You know, kind of like a follow-up to the drama uh, that's going on. So, if you guys are unaware, H&M, I believe it was on their UK site, had a photo of a young African-American kid in a sweatshirt that said, um, well, there was a collection of, like, jungle-themed apparel, right? And, uh, and there were two white kids pictured, and then one African-American kid, and the, the sweatshirt that the African-American kid was wearing said, um, what was it, the coolest monkey in the jungle, I believe, which sparked quite a bit of outrage recently, um, yeah, coolest monkey in the jungle. Uh, obviously, it's just in poor taste, you know. Um, and so this resulted in it blowing up on Twitter, or at least that's where I got wind of it. And then I saw articles of it on the internet, uh, on sites that I frequent, whether it be High Beast or High Snobiety, and um, you know, and and it resulted in the weekend, and I believe G Easy which I don't I didn't even know he had a collection with H&M. Um but they both have since announced that they're going to stop working with the apparel giant. Um and so H&M released a formal response on their Instagram and it reads uh we understand that many people are upset about the image of the children's hoodie. We who work at H&M can only agree we're deeply sorry that the picture was taken, and we also regret the actual print. Therefore, we've not only removed the image from our channels, but also the garment from our product offering. It's obvious that our routines haven't been followed properly. This is without any doubt. We'll thoroughly investigate why this happened to prevent this type of mistake from happening again. Um, and so that was their official like PR response. Uh, and, and, you know, someone brought up on Reddit, I believe it was, that, you know, because that was my initial reaction. I don't mean to be, like, cynical or just to doubt people. In fact, I typically do the opposite. You know, if you guys listen to the podcast, you like me know that I try and see the positive in things and the positive in people. And I, you know, I hope for the best in people. Um but when the weekend announced that he was going to cancel his H&M collection, it just seemed very PR-ish. I guess that's the move to make, you know, because then also if you still sell through H&M, people might take that as, I don't know, people might see that in a negative light. So it's hard to say. Um, but it was when I was reading on Reddit, uh, someone had posted and mentioned that it's a bit um, contradictory or a bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a bit hypocritical to be outraged at something like a sweatshirt on an African-American child that says, you know, the coolest monkey in the jungle, something that can be widely interpreted as racist right but then you know you have you know you being the weekend in this case having songs with lyrics like um she's a sweet asian chick she go low man and uh i believe that's the lyric something along those lines you know relating a sweet asian you know chick to low main I mean it's just kind of it's not only equally it it's it's distasteful in the same way that this hoodie is I would say and the person made the point also that they felt like you know uh Asians and uh you know other other races in the U.S. that are not African-American they tend to you know, that racism gets overlooked, and I have to say, I kind of agree, you know, it's, it's not like, 
I don't know. I mean, none of it's good. So I'm not, I don't want to compare, you know, all of, I don't want to compare what's the worst shit. But it is, uh, on the weekends part, it's very hypocritical. And it does get overlooked. It's just like, uh, yeah, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know. Um, but no, the lyric is pretty shitty. And uh, just unnecessary, I would say. It's distasteful. Like, it's not even clever, you know. Um, but, I don't know, they made that point. And I'm a huge fan of The weekend's music. I support him. And I, so I just felt like it was worth mentioning, though. Because regardless, if I support someone... When they fuck up, I, I want to call them out on it. So, you know, that only further fed into the statement seem seeming more like a PR move. Um, but I don't know, just food for thought, I guess. Uh, but in a unexpected twist to the story, if you will, um, the mother of the child that was photographed, the African-American child in the ad um, or in the product photo, she recently uh, came out on a Instagram on her Instagram with a post stating that, well, here, I'll just read it to you guys. So she says, you know, she has a couple photos of she has a photo of the ad and then um, a photo of her and her son just to, I guess, prove that she's his mother. And it reads the, the caption reads. <coughs> I am the mom, uh, for sure she's from the UK, she's gotta be, mom, um, I am the mom, and this is one of hundreds of outfits my son has modeled, stop crying wolf all the time, it's an unnecessary issue here, get over it, that's my son, I've been to all photo shoots, and this was not an exception, everyone is entitled to their opinion about this, I really don't understand, but not because I'm choosing not to, but because it's not my way of thinking. Uh, sorry. So I don't know, just kind of an interesting take, and I guess a twist. I'm sure that most, you know, obviously it doesn't change that it's a poor, you know, a poorly placed. It's just completely poorly executed. Like, you know, I don't, I mean, who knows? It's up for debate, though, because that's something I mentioned in the last podcast when I initially brought this story up. It's worth mentioning that <clears throat> it's not good to have a word that it, just in concept, right? If there was one word that set you off, that pissed you off, like you essentially give that power, right? Because to anyone else, the context of that word, you know, is like, yeah, essentially you give it power. I understand it does have historical, you know, a uh, history behind it. And uh, there is context here that needs to be considered, um, historical context, I guess. But it is interesting to, you know, for us to be so outraged over a word. And, uh, you know, I don't know, guys. I mean, just to, you figure, like, the way I always relate it in my mind is if you have someone that has a temper, right? And they have, like, whenever you say this one thing to them, it just pisses them off. And they, you know, they go into, like, a blind rage or whatever the fuck, right? Well, that is a vulnerability on their part. You know, because they give that power and it's something, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you get what I mean, though. I think you guys can kind of see along the lines that of the point that I'm trying to make. Um, not articulating it in the best way. But hopefully you guys get my intent. It's just how long, you know, how long will a phrase like this remain remain so racist? Or, you know, how long will we give it this power? Because you consider in 20 years, will people give a fuck? In 50 years, will people give a fuck? If, you know, if an ad is placed like that. And the person on the Reddit post, I also thought it was worth mentioning uh, they mentioned, you know, why would a retail giant like H&M want to put this out and get so much negative PR? <clears throat> I mean, it is PR. You will be in the news, but not for the right reasons, right? It works for celebrity uh, much, much better than it does for like a retailer or a brand, right? Because 
in this case, it would cause people to boycott. Like, I really see no positive to this. And and so it, it's really just likely that it was an oversight from, but it was an oversight from multiple phases of, you know, obviously the, the mother being there for the photography saying, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, essentially not having issue with it. I, I doubt it was even brought up if it's such a non-issue to her, you know. Um, but then the photographer himself or herself, and then, you know, going on to, I would imagine there's probably two or three more approval steps before it's put online. And so everyone along the way, maybe they just thought back, they're like, okay, well, could this be problematic? Uh, well, the mother, you know, she, she was fine with it. And then, you know, maybe like, okay, well, fuck it. And then throw it up there. I don't know. Just kind of an interesting twist. I mean, I doubt it changes anyone's mind. Does that change your guys' mind? Or, or rather just your perspective on uh, on the whole, you know, fiasco, I guess. Um, I don't know. And plus, I also thought it was worth just updating you guys on the statement. You know, giving H&M their full... Like, just, just covering both sides, I guess. You know, covering H&M side of the story, or their response, rather. And uh, and them actually listening to... You know, they're, they're not they're not ignoring the issue. They, they addressed it. They addressed their misstep, and so forth. I just thought it was worth covering for you guys. Um, it was supposed to be brief. Uh, I don't know if that was necessarily brief, but... <clears throat> now we get into music news... Uh, so Forbes recently released their list of, uh, what is it, 2018 Hip Hop's Future Moguls, or Hip Hop Future Moguls 2018 list, um, and it was, it was pretty interesting, I mean, there's a lot of promising artists on here, Tyler, for example, and it makes sense with him having, you know, not only the Converse deal, previously having the Vans deal, um, his branding or, or not his branding, but rather his whole brand um, with Golf Wang. Doing, I, I, I'm pretty sure from my observation, it's pretty successful. So, I mean, it makes sense. And it's fascinating because just seeing these artists um, and their, their, the way they diversify, I guess that's always fascinated me. Um, but anyways, so after sharing the highest paid musicians of 2017 list last month, Forbes has now rolled out its new hip hop's hip hop's future mogul selections for 2018. The uh, the American business publication switched things up this year to take into consideration a more diverse pool of nominees from different genders and backgrounds. Amongst the list are Cardi B, Post Malone, Lil Pump, Playboy Cardi, Twenty One Savage, and Tyler the Creator, amongst others. Um. So it's a I believe this is the entire, or this is the top 10. I believe it's a longer list. Um, but number one is Cardi B. Uh, number two is Post Malone, um, which makes sense. I mean, Post Malone sees so much success, man, with his fucking, I think it's just the melody, right, that makes his song so addictive to listen to. Um, and then obviously Cardi with being all the time, you know, essentially the biggest certainly the biggest female artist of 2017 uh possibly the biggest artist or like the most talked about um and that was like with one fucking song and a couple features which is insane um and then so number three is Tyler the creator which again makes sense and it's super dope because you, you you actively see him diversifying you know with the golf wing merch and it looking pretty dope um and then obviously the Converse deal and so on. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something else. <coughs> and then obviously the music uh, just continuing, continually getting better, evolving, him evolving as an artist. Uh, number four is Playboy Cardi. Five is Dave East. Six is Lizzo, who I am completely unfamiliar with. Uh, number seven is Vic Mensa, which is kind of interesting, unexpected at least to me. Number eight, Lil Pump. Number nine, 21 Savage, and 10 is Wonder Girl, who I believe is a producer. So, I don't know, kind of interesting. Uh, 
dope. I mean, future, bright futures for all of them. I'm surprised. Uh, what's his name? Um, fucking Lobo is not on here. Fucking Lil Yachty. Um, but that was only the top ten, so maybe he's in the top twenty, whatever, right? Uh, all right, now getting into cryptocurrency news. Um, Kodak. Yes, the fucking camera, film, whatever you will, brand, company, uh, has entered the cryptocurrency marketplace. This is fucking so unexpected, so random, dude. Um, <coughs> so Kodak has an announced plans to create Kodak Coin, a photo-minded cryptocurrency intended to grant extra rights to photographers seeking to manage the rights of their own imagery. Following a partnership with WEN Digital, the company aims to create the ICO later this month with accredited investors from North America and select other countries invited to join. Uh, according to the press release, by utilizing blockchain technology, the Kodak One platform will create an encrypted digital ledger of rights ownership for photographers to register both new and archive work that they can then license within the platform. Uh, with Kodak Coin participating, photographers are invited to take part in a new economy for photography, uh, receive payment for licensing their work immediately upon sale, and sell their work confidently on a secure blockchain platform. So, and, and upon announcing the news, Kodak stock leapt up to 430 a share. Uh, which is a 44% gain. Kind of interesting. I mean, interesting context, right? For it to be uh, specifically, or not even specifically, but predominantly related to photography. Makes sense. Kodak coin. Um, but it's crazy. All this cryptocurrency, dude. I mean, I haven't gotten into it. Have you guys, have you bought your first bit of cryptocurrency yet? Um, and if so, how has that worked out for you? I'm fascinated to know. Uh, obviously, Bitcoin being the most widespread, popular um, cryptocurrency format. I don't know. Um, hopefully, more to come on it. I, I need to research more into it. I haven't gotten into it yet, but apparently people are getting rich off it. So uh, it's fascinating shit, man. Fascinating time. Um, so in technology news, Uber heads to the skies with the debut of its air taxi. Um planning for a widespread release in the 2020s. So today marks the first official day of the highly anticipated trade show, CES, and Uber vies to be one, the one to watch with the introduction of its air taxi by Bell Helicopter. The LA-based rideshare seeks to advance its endeavors in personalizing transportation through its latest venture. The showcase include, included a look at the cabin of its first flying vehicle, which will feature a vertical takeoff and landing system similar to a copter, but will travel in air by traditional wings, uh, driven by a high, <clears throat> excuse me, driven by a hybrid drivetrain. The aircraft seeks to reach distance capabilities of 150 miles. Uh, kind of interesting. It seems super impractical, though. You know, um, I believe it was. Elon Musk that was in an interview saying that you know that that was something that he feels like we not got wrong but it just does it's not obviously not the most practical to be flying and to have to reformat the skies um I don't I don't know I mean it's just there's so many obstacles right like the energy consumption was like what are you fueling with and, and then it seems like the the better choice or the more obvious choice would be to go underground, which is obviously what the uh, Hyperloop is. And um, I don't know. So it is kind of interesting. You know, we definitely envision that in pop culture. You see it in movies all over the place, you know, flying cars. Um, so it will be interesting if we actually see this in the 2020s. It seems very ambitious, kind of gimmicky, at least to me. I don't know if it's that sustainable, um, but I'm hopeful to see some development. Regardless, we'll develop, you know, we, we will uh, progress our technology from it.
as a whole. Uh, so that in that aspect, it's dope. Um, so staying in technology, uh, we're getting into our, it seems like, daily LG story. Um, so LG recently introduced its 70 or its 65 inch OLED TV that rolls up like a poster, um, which is fucking dope. I just like the possibilities for the, like, to have this in your living room, the, the minimalist display. Um, so the LG display has been on a roll this CES and to add to its announcements of a 4k HDR projector and the world's first OLED 88-inch 8K TV uh, comes a 65-inch OLED TV that rolls up like a poster. Um, LG's original 18-inch rollable display in 2016 has been developed further to include three and a half times more inches and full 4K resolution. Uh, so dope that they're still developing on it when it's already a fucking fascinating technology. Um, the thin OLED screen rolls up and down like a like a projector screen and is currently being demonstrated at CES's 2018 show floor. Um, so once a button is pressed on the remote, the TV syncs enough to, to shift the display's aspect ratio from 16 to 9 to 21 to 9, eliminating black bars from your view. Pressing it again syncs the TV even further into the base of the box it stands on, leaving the top of it exposed, showing a screen with a smart home info, music controls, and ambient updates. Although there's no price, it appears the prototype in- introduced a couple of years ago is making progress and may eventually see a public rollout in the near future. So, kind of fucking dope. Uh, again, I just like the possibility that this, like, I mean, just thinking of seeing this, like, in a very, like, just how minimalist the like in concept it is um like for your tv to disappear when it's not being used it seems very practical and uh and even more so obviously the foldable screen technology uh it's just extremely dope that they're developing on it and uh and just make you know obviously making strides in the technology and I think obviously this this is the first format that we see it in, or one of the first formats rather. But once we see it implemented in, you know, whether it be on phones or whatever watches, um, I don't know. The possibilities are fucking fascinating. So kind of dope, and kudos to fucking LG man, making huge strides. Um, but staying in technology news, Toyota is partnering with Amazon and Uber or Amazon, Uber, and Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut to develop self-drive, a self-driving store um, with plans to debut in, the 20, in 2020 at the Tokyo Olympics. Kind of dope. Uh, so Japanese automotive manufacturer Toyota is teaming up with Amazon, Uber, Pizza Hut, and more to form the ePallet Alliance, a mobility services platform that utilizes its autonomous vehicles for food delivery and passenger travels alike. The initiative builds on Toyota's mobility services platform, which was revealed back in 2016, with the initial group of partners at launch assisting the automaker's direction in developing its autonomous e-pallet concept vehicle. Toyota stated it wants to create a common platform and a plug-and-play platform for businesses and companies to build their own mobility service for con- for consumers and offer services. As such, the company strives for three sizes of the self-driving car with an underlying open software platform to customize them to suit the needs of pres- of pr- what is it prospective businesses. Uh, <laughs> Toyota plans to launch the e-pallet at the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. We may even see an unveiling of the of Toyota's flying car in the process. Um, so kind of dope. Uh, kind of funny. Also related, the uh, the official Twitter handle for the Netflix show Black Mirror sent a tweet alluding to the new alluding 
the new endeavor is eerily similar to one of the episodes in its new fourth season. Uh, and that tweet reads, we know how this goes, um, with a link. Because uh, if you guys have seen, what episode was it in? Uh, I think it was the Crocodile episode. Which was like in Iceland. Or was it in Iceland? Greenland? I get them both fucking mixed up. Uh, like a gorgeous setting. And um, it was like... I, well, I don't want to spoil it for you guys. I'll get into that at the end of the show, actually. You know, kind of talking on Black Mirror. And uh, I'm only, like, four episodes in. Uh, and, and just kind of going through my thoughts on it. Um, well, if not this ep- if not this episode, maybe um, a upcoming episode. Because I want to go through that with you guys. Or just, you know, go through my thoughts on it. But this is exactly like a... It essentially is the exact fucking thing. If you've seen that episode, I'm almost sure it's the Crocodile episode. Or, like, the episode's called Crocodile. Um, there's this, like, drive... This fucking driving store that hits this, uh... This bystander. And, um... Yeah, it looks fucking exactly like this. So, kind of funny. Kind of crazy. I mean, and super eerie, right? The way that this shit is fucking so so like it's a it's fascinating what black mirror is it's like a look into the future like a scary look into the future a slight deviation from where we like essentially where we could be in the next five years um and it just kind of shows possible outcomes like it it more so it's like a warning at least in my opinion or that's kind of how i view it um but yeah, fucking, I mean, to see this right after that, super fucking bizarre. Um, <coughs> so next, getting into music news. Um, bizarre. So there's a lot of, so Eminem recently released the Chloroseptic remix. Um, so the remix to his song Chloroseptic that was on the, what is it, Revival album. Uh, his recently released revival album that was featuring Fresher, and uh, now the remix features a verse from Fresher, not just a hook, and then also a verse from Two Chains, which Two Chains his verse was pretty dope. I liked it, um, but not amazing. Uh, and and you know same with Fresher. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, the first I had heard of him was on the revival album. And, uh, yeah, and I wasn't blown away. I wasn't blown away in the remix. But what what is, like, making the news here is that uh, there, there's speculation that Eminem was dissing Joe Budden in a portion of the verse, um, which he said something along the lines of, let's see, uh... So at the at around the beginning of M's verse on Chloroseptic Remix, he he raps, not as raw as I was. Walk on water sucks. Bitch suck my dick. Y'all saw the track list and had a fit for you heard it. So you formed your verdict while you sat with your arms crossed, did your little reaction videos and talked over your songs. Uh, not nah, dog. Y'all saying I lost it. Your fucking marbles are gone. So I guess you know the reaction video the mention of the reaction video and and the arms crossed I think is why people are assuming it was Button um which I think if there if, if he's if M is alluding to Button's coverage of the album on Everyday Struggle that's fucking crazy because he he seemed like he was extremely like careful in and too careful in my opinion it was kind of it made it seem fake because he was like i don't know he was just mentioning that m when he or no it actually wasn't no i'm i'm fucking up because who was it joe wasn't on for that it was uh a fucking dj i forget who it was no so joe wasn't on there it was a dj um oh it was dj who kid I believe it was DJ Who Kid. Um, 
and yeah, his opinion was like very softball, like saying that M makes music for stadiums and we're not considering that and so on and so forth. Uh, so completely unrelated, I guess. I did not see Joe's um, any type of review or coverage of it. But if you've heard the album, you know, I just recently watched Dead End Hip Hop's uh, review of the album. And it's upsetting, man. It's upsetting in a very honest way, because I think all those guys, you know, obviously I've spoken about it in the past, how much I respect their opinion and uh, <coughs> and just how how well thought out the reviews are and uh, and so on. But, you know, and, and they completely trash the album, essentially, you know, with not even picking some of them, not even picking favorite tracks at the end of it. And uh, and I get it. And it's, it's very honest. And it I don't know, man, it's just fucking sad because uh, BZ mentioned in the review that it's crazy because this is one of the best MCs ever. You know, one of the best lyricists ever. And we cannot forget that. Like, that's what M is up against. So he's up against, you know, himself. And obviously, that's always a reoccurring obstacle when you're as good as Eminem is. Um, or when you've given a product as good as Eminem has given to the world, right? Your your biggest task is following that up. Um and now to hear the album and and just certain song choices uh certain collaboration choices there's i mean you got to be pretty optimistic to even think it's tolerable which i was trying to be and i i still stand by uh what was it castle or castles and amen or whatever the last song was um i don't think it was fucking amen what was it um castles and something else i stand by those songs i really like the way that they're structured the way that they're written but you know hearing them review that the album so honestly i don't think it was harsh i think it was honest and uh you know it was just eye-opening to see how far m has fallen i guess from what he was capable of you know and uh, Mike brings up that he doesn't think, in the review, he brings up that he doesn't think that he's capable of making music like he used to. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that we see, at least I personally see, some pretty hopeful glimpses at a creative M in, in certain songs. Um, in Offended, in Castles. And in the last song, the closing song, for for whatever reason, the names eluded me right now. But in those, and specifically those last two, you know, I, I do see glimpses of a very talented artist, you know. And and I'm hopeful. I, I do think that he is capable. It's just obviously not going to be easy. And maybe it does make it impossible because M is a different person now, you know. Um not only a different person because he's gotten older, a different person because he's gone through different things in his life that form your personality and just your outlook. And it's hard to stay driven when you have so much success. Um, but then also you figure M being a, you know, sober now and previously, you know, being addicted to uh, pharmaceutical, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, alcohol, um, and who knows what the fuck else, right? Just everything that that lifestyle brings. And I genuinely believe that that changes your brain, like the way that your brain functions, right? And so who knows, maybe in that sense, in the actual like sense that his brain is not structured the same way that it was, maybe he cannot cre recreate, you know, he can't it's hard to say, man, but maybe that is in his way and technically, you know, is the reason he can't recreate it or can't write the way that he used to. I don't know, man, because still technically on this album or on his revival album, 
I did hear like there there were some dope rhyme patterns, right? And there were some dope like just the structure of his rhymes was decent, and at, at sometimes it was dope. Um, it was just the shit that he was saying that was like wow, you know, like just fucking wow. Um, and so I don't I don't know like yeah I guess the the review that would be my takeaway was that it was just very honest, but in it they mention that you know that that I don't know what interview or where one what their reference was but it was that one artist when being interviewed was mentioning that or not an artist it was um who the fuck is that producer I'm drawing a blank on his name now um he's done a lot of work with Kanye with Jay fuck I can't believe I'm forgetting his name um huge sneakerhead fuck uh i can't think of his name right now but regardless he was being interviewed and he mentioned that um that when he had a session with eminem not in this recent not on the recent album but um in, in his first i believe session with eminem you know he's used to giving honest feedback and just being able to give it unfiltered and openly and uh which makes sense right because in the studio i mean i guess it depends every artist is going to create differently but you know it, it makes sense that it's almost like a brainstorming right like you both everyone in the studio has a purpose they have a reason for being there and you're you're all trying to form the best product but you know, he mentioned in that first session, he was open and honest, and I guess stopped M and, and gave him feedback, and I don't know if M kicked him out of the studio, or they, someone pulled him aside and said that you don't, you, like, you can't interrupt him, something along those lines, where it was like, you don't give the direct feedback, and who knows, it does take a bit of, you know, a couple assumptions to get to the conclusion that okay well m just doesn't take feedback in general but that's kind of what this joe budden beef or the you know if those lines really are aimed at joe budden that's kind of what that alludes to right is that m is not taking the criticism very well and just from a colleague like budden again i don't know how he how he critiqued it how he broke down the album but if he was honest in in Joe Budden fashion, um, you know, brutally honest at times, it was likely very authentic, but likely very blunt. And so I could see where if you are more sensitive about it, your writing, your art, I get it. But, you know, you're, I could see being offended by, you know, Joe's honesty and him genuinely not having any malice towards him, obviously. Um, he's a crucial part in his career, but, uh, I don't know, man, that's what this sounds like to me, and it, and it worries me, because if it's true, and if M really is going at Button, or just, you know, kind of, I guess, trying to put him back in his place, being like, you know, just chill, like, you don't talk about my music that way, it's kind of fucking jarring to me, uh, just as a show of character, to who Eminem is. Um, but I don't know. There's a recent story. There's quite a bit of shit going on. I don't know. Like, so I know 50 Cent's involved. Um, Bazaar of D12 is involved. And so I'm going to go through that story with you. But I kind of wanted to briefly, or not even briefly, but just break down my thoughts on what's going on and kind of just that concern that blaring concern that that at least was the lasting thought in my mind that was like damn well if m's bothered by this you know that's not fucking good that likely confirms that he does have a lot of yes men around him i mean there, there has to be an odd something not being structurally right for this album to be even be released in the way that it was released you know in the form that it was released um, and I think that's apparent. The the body of work fucking speaks for itself, you know? Um, 
But let me go through that story for you guys. So, Bizarre confirms Eminem diss Joe Budden on Chloroseptic Remix. Uh, so, yesterday Eminem dropped a remix to Chloroseptic, which featured some new bars from himself, 2 Chance, and Fresher. Uh, many thought a portion of M's verse was aimed at Joe Budden because of the latter's negative commentary on the former's recent music, um, specifically Revival. M's D12 bandmate, Bizarre, confirmed the speculation that the former Everyday Struggle host was indeed one of Slim Shady's targets. So, Bizarre tweeted, uh, Never bite the hand that feeds you. I never like to do sick anyway, chump, uh, at Joe Budden. And in another tweet, he said, make sure you keep that same, you keep up that same energy. Uh, don't get quiet now, fucking clown. Um, <coughs> so it says here, 50 Cent, who has worked with Eminem since 2002, also chimed in on the situation, saying that was a bad idea. Looks like you got a little ass whooping coming. Um, which is all great. Like, don't get me wrong. Joe Budden gets on my nerves sometimes just because he... He is honest, but it sometimes seems like similar to Charlemagne. Like he likes to have the hot take on a topic, just for for the sake of having that opinion. Um, but this seems like, you know, it worries me more than it's entertaining. I mean, it's enter- entertaining, sure. Like fucking, that's undeniable, right? But um. It worries me that people so close to Eminem, you know, that being Bizarre and obviously 50 Cent, that's their their opinion on this. That's their take on this. And it could all just be for some drama shit, you know, just fucking around essentially. But uh, I don't know. It just worries me because obviously M's insulated by shit like this. You know, people getting worked up about someone's fucking opinion. Like, I don't know, man. Um, So at around the... Okay, so they just quote the verse here, which I quoted earlier, and uh, at least the portion that people are alluding to, you know, uh, well, now, I guess, Bizarre fucking confirmed it. So uh, it's the portion that M is going at Joe Budden. Um, But it says here, Budden's relationship with M runs deep. Since 2011, Budden, along with the rest of Slaughterhouse, have been signed to M Shady Records imprint. Bizarre has known Eminem for around 20 years. Um, so likely people who are very close to M, at least, you know, in the Bizarre and 50 Cent. Um, so it has Bizarre's, uh, <coughs> Bizarre's post to Instagram here where uh where he said he screenshotted some uh Joe Budden tweets and then said in the caption this do- this disloyal bitch ass talking you know at Joe Budden talking shit we should never let you come around the squad we should let Swift punch y'all ass when when he had the chance and then uh, 50 Cent posted a photo of Joe Budden with the caption, that was a bad idea. Look, looks like you got a little ass whooping coming. It's not a big deal. You'll you'll get over it. Hashtag Den of Thieves, January 19th. Uh, 50 Cent doing his usual promotion shit. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to say the least to see how this develops. Um, but I don't know, man, it honestly, my takeaway is that this worries me for it. It's weird, man. First off, it's fucking weird. that M is like this Don that is like, you talk bad about him and they're, you know, like you critique him a little too honestly and, you know, and then shit's going bad for you. He has like his fucking goons talking shit to you. It's fucking, that's weird to me in general like just at first but then also as a fan it it legitimately concerns me because it's like fuck man m is so far like he's just further distancing himself you know he's so far from the from the nearest like honest opinion 
at this point. Like, Bizarre's gonna sit there and tell me that that's a fucking good album. Or that some of the songs at least should, you know, are not ill-advised to put that shit out. That's fucking crazy. Um, so, yeah, but it's obviously un- undoubtedly going to be interesting to see what comes from this. I'll keep covering it uh, when we get more news. But what are your guys' thoughts on it? Is it, I mean, I need to go and check out uh, Joe's review of it. I'll do that after today's podcast and then uh, likely, you know, give you guys my thoughts on it on the next podcast. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it has it linked right here. It says it's uh, Joe gave his review of the Revival album on his podcast on YouTube, which which is called the Joe Budden Podcast, and it's episode 141. Um. So if you guys want to check that out, I'm sure it's available on iTunes or not iTunes, but like Apple podcast, the podcast app. Um, but yeah, you guys let me know what you think on it. Uh, I mean, even M's verse was dope on Chloroseptic, the remix, just as far as like, I don't know, it was decent, actually. And that's one thing that Mike pointed out in the review is that we're, we're not judging this like it's. Like, like, if you're saying that it's good, it's not good in context to it being Eminem. Like, you know, you have to judge the artist for who the artist is. And a good Eminem song is a great song by another artist. So that's obviously, and, and I feel like that's reasonable. You know, when you know what someone's capable of or an artist is capable of, you know, just imagine if, like, Lil Pump gave us some insanely lyrical fucking introspective shit on his next song people's minds would be fucking blown and that's not because it's the most amazing song it's because it goes against what we expect right or it's just such a bar above what we expect and uh so working conversely you know in Eminem situation we can't judge him by oh well you know run of the mill as far as run of the mill songs go this is decent no, that means for by Eminem's context, you know, Eminem, the fucking, the amazing, like, the great, one of the best lyricists, one of the best artists to ever fucking create music, in my opinion, you know, in, in that context, this is ass, bro. Like, this music is shit. It's a fraction of what this guy's capable of. It's like a fucking shell of it, right? So, I don't know. I mean, the insulation worries me. Um... But the shit's going to be interesting. Uh, so, alright. Next. Getting into fashion news or clothing news. Uh, Off-White is set to launch its more affordable line called, in quotes, for all. In, in true Virgil fashion. You know, air quotes for all. Uh, or quotes for all around it. Um, so, as speculation grows about an off-white Nike soccer collection, Virgil Abloh's label has debuted a more affordable line titled For All. The new collection features pieces such as graphic t-shirts and hoodies at a significantly lower price point than off-white's mainline pieces, uh, with tees priced at $95 and hoodies at $170, which is still fucking crazy. Um, But I get it, because the average off-white hoodie or the average off-white tee like just like not not plain as t-shirt obviously some design on it but a t-shirt typically from off-white is like what like three hundred dollars and then hoodies range from fucking four hundred like three hundred to like six hundred depending on what's done on the piece um so i i think it's dope to see that you know virgil like adapting and, and kind of catering to the following it's it's much needed it's i guess better better late than never um you know i would much rather have this a a kind of offshoot similar to rick owens dark shadow a more affordable you know in quotes affordable offshoot so that kids can be slightly more responsible with their money because let's be honest that's like a lot of the um like there's been a lot of irresponsible purchases made on off-white pieces 
uh, for fucking sure. So the article goes on. Speaking to business of fashion about the newly launched line, Abloh explained that the price, uh, the price tier allows for a new customer to see themselves within the overall concept of the fashion label. Uh, off-white can be luxury at a traditional luxury price point, or equally, it can be relevant at an affordable price point, which is dope, and, and I believe that's more true than ever with how relevant the brand is. Um, and that's also what's dope. For him to do it at, like, the height of his brand, or, like, the height of just the publicity and, and his brand being the most talked about, um, you know, for him to create an affordable option is, is pretty dope. I commend it. Um, so it goes on, the For All collection is available now from 11 off-white locations around the world, including the brand stores in New York, Hong Kong, and Sydney. Abloh has indicated that there will, there could be more affordable collections on the way, telling business of fashion that he will drop new he, that he will drop new releases uh periodically but with the freedom to decide where and when in each instance i think that's actually a really dope uh concept to just have an affordable line that you drop you know in limited numbers on you know at your leisure I mean, it's kind of dope, but then I could also see it obviously creating an aftermarket, therefore making the hoodies and shirts, you know, even closer priced to the mainline pieces, kind of defeating the purpose. Um, but let's see how it goes. I think if it's limited, it could be a fail, at least in the context of what he's trying to accomplish. Um, but I guess he doesn't control the demand, right? Like, if people are just, just want the shit that bad. Uh, Alright, now getting into sneaker news. Um, Kendrick has debuted the Nike Cortez Kenny 1. Uh, fucking hilarious calling Kendrick Kenny. I don't know why that name's fucking funny to me. Um, but to think about him as Kenny. Uh, that shit's pretty funny. But the shoe isn't great. It's, um, if you guys have seen it, it has... It's it's all white. It's not the red sneaker that we had seen leaked photos of. Um, he premiered it at a recent at his national championship performance, <coughs> which that was also weird. On another note, that was weird because he performed outside, and there was supposed to be the you know I felt like obviously what he could have said with the performance, with Trump being in attendance could have been prolific. Um, so kind of, that kind of bummed me out. But anyways, he premiered the shoe there during that performance. And uh, I don't know. Like, I, I fuck with the Cortez silhouette being minimal, not having the swoosh on the side. I don't fuck with the giant ass damn embroidery on the side or, like, the outlining. Like, that shit looks pretty corny to me. I don't know, that that completely throws it off, at least to me. Um, but staying positive, I really do fuck with the uh the red the red stitching. I like the way that it looks and I like the swoosh being only on the inside. Um and then damn damn is kind of dope to see uh instead of the Nike logo, or instead of the Nike text rather, on the tongue. Um and for it to be priced at $100, that's the fucking dope shit here. I'm sure it will be limited, of course. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, regardless, you know, with Kendrick being so, you know, such such a popular artist, it will, uh, you know, it's hard to even meet the demand. So regardless uh, if it's limited or not, it's, you know, it's going to sell out. Um, but I don't know. And, and it's going to drop on the sneakers app on January 26th with a reported retail price of $100. So, um let me guys let me know if you guys are looking to cop that. I mean, it's dope to see Kendrick this feels I will say that like obviously I like the certain details that I listed, but over anything, it's dope to see Kendrick collaborating with Nike. It feels much more authentic than 
fucking Reebok. I'll say that. Um, and it's not terrible. It's definitely not terrible. I fuck with it more than the red shoe that we saw. Um, the with the don't trip on the tongue pull. Um, but now staying in sneaker news, uh, and Cortez news, uh, Hiroshi Fujiwara. Uh, teases fragment design Nike Cortez, so it has uh, it's it's fucking translucent. I mean, this shit looks gorgeous, and if you look closely at the midsole, like the midsole foam, it has on that gray strip, it has some text, some super small text printed along it, which I think looks dope as fuck. Um, and I really fuck with this. You know, it, I mean, it looks so dope. Uh, with the, you know, being translucent, with the fragment wording, or, or the fragment abbreviation behind the flywire, and being that off-white color, I mean, this shit looks super dope, I mean, and this is probably the best, and mind you, I don't really fuck with Cortez's, I just don't like the rounded toe, it usually has a silhouette, throws me off, but, um, you know, obviously, like, this fucking iteration looks dope as shit uh so i'm looking forward to that no uh no rumored release date yet though um and then again staying in sneaker news i just wanted to comment on the air jordan 4 levi's that are coming out um eric costin posted photos of uh his pair that he's been skating and it looks dope as fuck i mean just as dope as like obviously distressed denim is uh is you know at it at like a height of its popularity right now but um when you really fucking like this shoe looks 10 times better when when it's fucked up because like it has just the distression i mean it's authentic denim on the pair it's an official collaboration with levi's which i think is a is, is pretty fucking dope the tongue fucking like the tongue tab or the tongue logo rather having like the levi's like sizing and branding style is an extremely dope touch um so i don't know i mean i fuck with it the pair releases let's see if there's the release date on here yeah on january 17th at select retailers um and i believe it's retailing for 220 which I guess is reasonable for Jordan Brand, um, but yeah, the red hits are dope as fuck, they really drive home the Levi's aesthetic, um, and once these get fucked up and look distressed, I mean, the shit, and and it's crazy, because it completely changed the shoe to me, like, it's not amazing, but once once I saw those costing photos, which I believe he posted to his Instagram, if you guys want to check those out, if you haven't seen them yet, um, it completely changes the aesthetic of it. And there was a little fraying on the seams, and yeah, it just looks ten times fucking better. Um, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to those. A dope Jordan, uh, a dope Jordan Four. I mean, I really fuck with the Four silhouette. Uh, it seemed kind of corny in concept to put denim on a four, but I don't know. It's hard to argue that those photos that he posted, it doesn't, you know, it's hard to argue that it doesn't look dope. So I'll say that, um, probably still not a cop for me, but, uh, I do look forward to seeing photos of that shit once people get them in hand and, you know, and wear them out and, uh, and it's, it's dope. Cause I really fuck with that when you have a pair that lends itself to to wear just overall to you know to distressing or just to like it develops with age i really fuck with shoes that's that's why i like leather shoes um just because typically leather shoes once they crease i think they you know it's hard to it's hard for a silhouette to look more fucked up after it's been you know creased when it's a leather pair at least to me um so yeah, I mean, promising, promising shit from Jordan Brand, and that's also I wanted. To, I mean, I just wanted to briefly run through that because I know I don't cover uh, Jordan Brand shit that much, and 
So when I see something dope that I like, I definitely want to shout it out and give it exposure and uh, and applaud it. So um, now Nike has recently released photos of a hybrid. Uh, it's a VaporMax outsole and a Air Max 95 upper. Um, and I know typically in sneakers, hybrids, you know, p- people don't fuck with hybrids. And this one is actually one that I really, I don't know. I mean, proportionally, it looks fucked up to me. So, like, the way that it sits on, like, the outsole needs to be bigger. It just looks super weird. Like, you cut the outsole of a 95 and a half. I do fuck with the VaporMax, like, actual sole unit. Like, the coloring of it. One, just the Volt. Like, the Volt coloring of that is fucking gorgeous. Um, but the mixture of the Volt and the, uh, like, fully blacked out air bubbles in the front portion and the midfoot, I think it it really does lend lend itself to that aesthetic of the the neon 95 outsole but um but proportionally it just looks so like it looks like it looks fucked up like it looks like you cut the outsole in half i don't know um promising shit from the vapor max sole unit uh a lot of the coloration that we've been seeing uh really excites me but i don't know in in this hybrid and I try and give Nike a fair shake with hybrids that they're trying to reinvent or at least just give you a product that, you know, that like that's just a hybrid of two other products that are storied and, you know, praised by people. And it's just kind of like I appreciate them for even taking the risk. Uh, this is one that does not do it for me. You guys let me know if you fuck with it. Um, it's dope to see, though. And uh, so it will be priced at $190. Uh, no set release date yet, though. Um, so, yeah, fuck, man. That Volt also, though. I fuck with that. Um, and then getting into some celebrity news. So Drake shuts down a troll who made fun of his teeth on Instagram. Uh, kind of a funny fucking story. Kind of weird. So despite letting us know he's been making new music, Drake recently took time out of his busy schedule to shut down a troll that teased him on Instagram. After posting a candid photo on the social media platform, an observant internet troll commented on Drizzy's dental hygiene. Um, Spotting a spot on the Canadian artist's front tooth, the troll wrote, LMAO, all that money and your teeth still don't look clean. Uh, The comment caught Drizzy's attention, prompting him to reveal that he has a pink diamond in his tooth and brushes often with activated charcoal, shutting down any talk about his dental hygiene. Um, so it, it is a bullshit article, like how the fuck is this even, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's typical for high beast. It's kind of what you would expect. Um, kind of a fucking funny story though, but even weirder is if there's truth to that, which I'm assuming there is, you guys can look at the photo. It's posted to Drake's Instagram, which is Champagne Poppy. And, uh, and the photo, fo- like, it does look like the dude has some shit in his teeth, bro. Like, it, like, how can you deny that? It was a poor choice, and I get that. But just own it, bro. Like, I don't know. Maybe it looks dope in person, but in photos, it definitely is not doing it justice. Uh, if it legitimately, and mind you, I want you guys to really go fucking look at this picture. Because it is a singular diamond on the dude's front right tooth. And like, how the fuck would you think that would be a good idea? I get it, and I can appreciate trying to do something new or different when grills and everyone's just putting the most fucking ice that they can. You know, diamonds fucking everywhere. But, you know, and people, Kanye popularized the the bottom grill, and that shit still is probably the dopest form of a grill, in my opinion. Um, Just because it's flashy, but, like, such a subtle flashy. Uh, I get get trying to do something that hasn't been done, but this shit looks fucking 
I don't know, man. Like, you have to be close for it to even look like what it is. Like, in pictures, it's just going to forever look like you've been eating broccoli, bro. Like, it's going to forever look like you just have shit in your teeth. Like, I don't know. Uh, fuck, fucking L for Jersey. I don't know how the fuck you thought that was a good idea. A pink diamond is kind of dope. Why you have to mention that you brush with char- activated charcoal is beyond me, especially when you're fucking Drake. Like, how the fuck do you need to mention that to someone? Uh, but I don't know. It's kind of funny. So apparently Drake has a singular pink diamond in his tooth. You guys think this was a good idea? Go and look at the photos. Do you think it looks dope? You let me know. Uh, so with that shit being said, uh, that concludes the podcast. I'm sorry this one's going up super fucking late. Um, but hopefully, I mean, there was some dope shit that I wanted to talk about. Uh, and hopefully you guys were entertained. Just know that I fucking love you guys. And I appreciate each and every one of you for giving me your time. Uh, regardless if you, you know, even if you didn't even get to this fucking part of the podcast, you know, the very end of it, I still fuck with you. And, uh, and I fucking appreciate if you listen to two minutes of it and you were like, wow, this guy is just fucking, uh, I don't fuck with this. Like, I get it, bro. I, I still fucking appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate all, all of you. And, um, and yeah for putting up with my shitty fucking reading and uh and all of the ums and all of the fucking i don't know all all of it like i I just appreciate you guys um and your support is like i'm forever grateful for it so thank you guys i fucking love you guys and you'll be hearing more from me soon peace guys